Day two of BBC Gardeners World Live at the NEC, the hottest day of the year. And I'm not surprised, actually, because it's so busy here. David Hurrian, uh, an absolute pleasure to see you again. And isn't it nice to be back with it crowds at the, the NEC? Do you know, I mean, we did a little show last year, didn't we? We, we did, did a small version of it. Yeah. But this year, the show is back and it's bigger than ever. And it's great to see so many people here. And as you say, if it was a bit cooler, it wouldn't be wouldn't do any harm but you know it's not putting people off there's some amazing displays here and they look just superb in the sunshine don't they yeah it's, they it's do absolutely marvelous and um, now uh, i know that you're uh, stuck for time because you are so busy as you, you know, always are in these shows. Yeah. <laughs> um what have you been doing uh, at the show here this year so this year we've got a real um a real theme at the show which is all about environmental awareness making sure that we are greener gardeners and we're not saying you've got to be a totally green gardener but you've got to do what you can to make a difference so it's greener gardening so reducing your plastic uh, reducing your use of composts and making your own compost grow your own all those things things that will make a real difference to the environment and so the stage that I'm on is the my gardeners world stage and we've got that as a real theme with all our guests that come to visit us. So a whole host of ex exciting guests, real diverse. So we've got people from English Heritage, the gardeners from English Heritage, coming to the stage and telling us some of the techniques that they use to grow those fantastic gardens that they have at all these English Heritage sites. Um, Walmer Castle, for example, down on the south coast, has got an incredible exotic garden We've got the head gardener coming to tell us how he grows those those sorts of plants. Uh, and then we've got the people from Regent um, Silver Seas Cruises that have come along and they're telling us about all the different destinations around the world that they go to, which is where these exciting plants come from. Uh, and then we've got just the people from the local nurseries, the, the nurseries that have come to the plant marquee. Uh, we've got them telling their stories about you know top tips for caring for orchids or agapanthus or all those sorts so it's an incredibly exciting stage and i'm run ragged <laughs> <laughs> you make an interesting point um about uh plants from different parts of the world people yeah. go on holiday yeah uh see plants in in different um different parts of the world um and then wonder what they are, uh, yeah. but then wonder why they can't get them over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an interesting journey, isn't it? Well, look, I mean, the, the thing is, ever since people were going off in ships around the world on voyages of discovery, we've been yeah. bringing back plants from all around the world. So much so that originally we only had about 7,000 species in the UK that were native, originally native. When the ice retreated and cavemen were thumping their, their, their chests, we had about 7,000 species. We're now up to well over 100,000 or more species that we grow in our gardens. Not in everybody's garden, clearly, but, you know, all these species of plants have been brought back from all over the world. Now, we've got to the stage now where there's so much threat from pests and diseases around the world that if we brought them back willy-nilly from our holidays, we would be putting our gardens at risk by possibly introducing pests and diseases. So as long as they're introduced in a controlled way and they're quarantined correctly through relevant nurseries and garden centres um, and importers of these, these things, then we can safely buy these plants and grow them. And it's amazing to me that I was just sat in my garden the other day looking around my garden and thinking, oh, that one comes from, the, from Taiwan, that one comes from China, that's from South Africa, that's from North America. You know, it's incredible. 
the diversity of plants that we grow in our back gardens. What are the, the real exotic ones uh, that are uh, sort of gaining popularity? So because we're seeing um, you know, a changing climate in the UK, I mean in the last 30 to 40 years we've seen um, temperature increases of around, on average, around one degree over the whole of the year when you average it out. Now that doesn't sound a lot but that consequently means that we have hotter summers, hotter, drier summers. Uh, we have heavier rainfall, sudden heavy rainfall. So all the plants that come from sort of subtropical places, and some of those subtropical places, places like South Africa, where they get seasonal rainfall, heavy seasonal rainfall, we can grow those in our gardens now. Well, 50 years ago, we couldn't. So things like agapanthus, which have become so incredibly popular, um, and in my garden, I've got palm trees and all sorts of hardy bananas and, you know, all sorts of exotica that I would, when I was a kid, you know, more than 50 years ago, I hasten to add, <laughs> I, I, I would never have thought of growing. So it's, you know, we, we garden according to the climate and according to the conditions we've got. Um, and that's house plants as well as garden plants, isn't it? I mean, there's, yes. there's a huge increase in people wanting to have to bring oh. the garden inside, hasn't it? I mean, maybe the pandemic has, has done some of that, but there's this, this desire to bring the garden into the home seems yeah. stronger than ever. So it's reinforced that. That was already a trend, really, before COVID. So certainly in the last 10 years, um, we've seen younger people who perhaps haven't live in rented accommodation, perhaps, or haven't got their own back garden space or don't want to commit to developing a garden when they're in rented accommodation so it's been meant that people have started growing plants indoors a lot more uh, and you know that I would never have dreamed that we would see such a diversity of different houseplant species being offered I mean when I was younger and I was interested in houseplants you might be able to get a rubber plant or a spider plant spider plant yeah. everybody yeah or a palm, perhaps the occasional palm tree for growing indoors. Uh, and then when it came to flowering plants, you might have had African violets or things like that. But now, you know, certainly in terms of the number of succulents, things like cacti and succulents, things that don't need too much watering, the sky's the limit. There are hundreds and hundreds of different plants that are being offered to people as houseplant specimens. And of course, if we fill our homes with houseplants, they're good for our mentality, they're great for our well-being because we're nurturing something, we're bringing greenery into our homes, uh, and it also sharpens up your skills. When you do come to eventually have a garden, you know how to, you know what the basics of keeping a plant alive are. And of course, they're a great starting place for young young kids to get into gardening as well. Some of those more exotic plants as well have the most amazing colours and yeah. they might be variegated and, and yeah. different shapes yeah. and that's I guess you know from, from the professional side with you when you're putting a display together or you're putting your garden or your window box together mm. that design of colour darker ones setting being offset mm. by, by brighter ones it, it that just opens a whole palette a colour palette up for you. Yeah it? it does and as you so rightly say it's not just colour but it's leaf shapes and textures and forms and if you've got that diversity in houseplants then you can make mixed displays and that's one of the things that I'm really keen on is rather than having lots of individual little pots indoors have one big planter close to a window so that it gets good light but not lots of direct heat and sunlight and planting up a mixed display of different houseplants together and using those forms colors and textures together 
you know, it makes all the difference rather than having a, a poor little forlorn houseplant <laughs> dotted on every table surface. Have you got a particular favourite? Is there one that you come back to you know, regularly? I do, and at the moment, in terms of houseplants, it's, it's quite an obscure one. You did ask, but it's an obscure one, and it's making a bit of a comeback. And it's one from when I was at college, and it's called a gynura. Gynura. And um, so the best thing to do is to explain what it's like. It has quite largish plum-coloured leaves that are hairy on the surface. And it grows to about two, three foot tall. Quite a, quite a soft plant, not rigid and, you know, waxy like a lot of houseplants are, but gynura look out for it it's ever so easy to grow it's a real treat and everybody says what's that plant in your on your windowsill because i've never seen one i bumped into joe bagley earlier um, and uh, he's the houseplant guy that that we know and uh, he was telling me that um it's difficult to find aspidistras yeah do you know what it's it's the thing is that up until about 10 years ago this houseplant craze hadn't really kicked in and you could find aspidistras in all sorts of shapes and sizes, in obscure places nonetheless, but you could find them if you wanted to. But everybody's hoovered up um, those sorts of things. And aspidistras are incredibly slow to propagate because if anybody who's grown an aspidistra will know that they probably only make one leaf a year if you're lucky. Uh, and that means that they don't bulk up very quickly. So it's incredibly difficult to propagate them. And they don't grow very well from Many of the houseplants we grow now are, are propagated by what's called micro-propagation, by taking just a few cells and propagating them in a in really like a laboratory environment. You can't do that with aspidistras. They don't really respond very well to it. So that's why they're pretty scarce. I think it was Gracie Fields, wasn't it? Who's the biggest the in the world. And I wonder what she thinks about the fact that we can't get aspidistras nowadays. Turning in a grave. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, just finally, I know you've got to, um, to shoot off. Mm. Um, Lots of aspects of horticulture and gardening, as, as we have discussed uh, in the past, go in phases. Mm. Um, things come and go, trends mm. come and go. Um, a lot of people buying at the show here, which is fantastic to see, but also looking to people like you for inspiration about mm. being on point for, for autumn and for winter. What's your tips for them? What should they be looking for and doing now? So at the moment, I think the best thing to be doing is to just make sure that the weeds don't get the upper hand um, but sit back and enjoy it and reflect on the garden look around the garden see what you think works what doesn't work and start making those plans now because you can be sure that by the time you get to the autumn you'll have forgotten most things you'll have forgotten where <laughs> things popped up and where things didn't pop up so perhaps mark the places in the garden where there are gaps make copious notes and really start the planning process. I never stop planning my garden. It's constantly evolving. So reflect on it. And the, the trouble I think very often is that we we are a little bit like kids in a sweet shop. At, in the height of the growing season, we see all these plants that attract us and we buy them then and now. I haven't got a clue where we're going to put them in the garden, generally. We just like the plant. So take stock of what you've bought what you've got you might have planted it but you might have planted it in the wrong place and use the autumn as your then reflecting time do all your shifting about get it everything moved about and and plan then to get your best garden ever next season and do you know what 
that's what I'm going to do. Fantastic. Great advice as always. David, thank you for coming in to see us. I know you're extremely busy here at uh, BBC Gardeners World Live. Good to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Take care. Good, Good gardening, everyone.